Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The Apostle Peter was entrusted with the responsibility of ushering both the Jewish and later the Gentile believers of Christ into the kingdom of God. As a result of these two distinct events, the door into the kingdom and eternal life is fully open for all who would believe and enter in. We will look at the second of these doors being opened on today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry and based on the ministry of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee. We have recorded excerpts today of Witness Lee's Life Study from the Book of Acts on our program, and we also have Ed Marks in the studio with us to examine this very significant event in the long history of God's move on the earth. Ed, a big topic today. We're happy that you're here to help us with it. Yes, I'm very glad, Chris, to be back again for this rich life study ministry on the book of Acts. Ed, we're going to see the use of one of the great keys of the kingdom that the Lord Jesus gave to Peter today. I think that it would be good if we could look at a verse in Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. Uh, I think I'll go ahead and read it now, Ed, and then maybe you could comment a little bit on the significance of this verse in view of what we're going to see today from Acts chapter 10. Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of the heavens, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in the heavens, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in the heavens. Yes, Chris, in verse 18 we have what we would call the greatest prophecy in the New Testament, where the Lord says, I will build my church. This is a prophecy, and this prophecy is actually being fulfilled as we're speaking right now. What is the purpose of this broadcast? What we want to do here on this broadcast is cooperate with the Lord and be one with him to dispense him as life into all of the listeners so that his church can be built up. The Lord is still fulfilling this prophecy today. The Lord tells Simon, he says, you are Peter. Peter means a stone. And he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. The rock here is the Lord Jesus himself and the revelation of the Lord Jesus as the foundation of the church. And Peter is a living stone in that building up of the church. Eventually, all the believers in 1 Peter 2, according to Peter, become living stones for the building up of God's spiritual house, which is the church. Now, in verse 19, the Lord tells Peter, I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of the heavens. Now, uh, what we'll see in this broadcast, and, and just as an introduction, according to history, there were two keys 
And Peter used these two keys. He used one of these two keys on the day of Pentecost to open the gate so that the Jewish believers could enter the kingdom of the heavens. Then he used the other key in the house of Cornelius. He opened the gate, opened the door, so that the Gentile believers could enter into the kingdom of the heavens. These two keys Peter used to usher the Jewish and Gentile believers into the kingdom of the heavens to produce and form the one body of Christ. Ed, this is a point in time, an aspect in God's move that it's almost cannot be overemphasized, this opening of the door to all of the Gentile believers. It's something very much worth our time and our focus as we get into this life study from Acts chapter 10. Let's join Witness Lee. We have seen that the Lord prepared for Peter to open the door for the Gentiles to come into the kingdom. In those three provinces, Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, churches were built quite strongly. And this indicates that Peter's ministry in the propagation of the resurrected Christ has been very successful in the Jewish land. Peter was moved by the Lord toward Caesarea. This man, Cornelius, lived there. By this, you can see all these was the Lord's preparation for the opening of the door for the Gentiles to come into the church life. In Matthew 16, the Lord gave Peter the keys of the kingdom. And the Pentecost, in chapter 2, Peter used the first key to open the door for the Jewish people to come into the kingdom of God. Now is the time for Peter to use the second key that the Gentiles may come in. From the very beginning of mankind, there had been all the time some devout men seeking after God. And Cornelius was one of this category. Not only he himself with his family, but also here it says one of his soldiers serving him was also a devout man. By this you could see there was a kind of devout atmosphere around Cornelius' home. Such a man was used by God to prepare the opening of the kingdom of God to the gentle world. Cornelius' prayer and Peter's prayer became a very means for the Lord to come in to open the gate for the Gentiles. It was while this devout man, Cornelius, was praying, a vision came to him. It was also while Peter was praying, a vision came to him. The prayer life always paved the way for the Lord's move, for the Lord's spreading. The Lord could only use those who always live in a prayer life, that we have to contact him to pray. We have to believe they were men praying on schedule. They mentioned hours. Cornelius was praying in the afternoon, the ninth hour of the Roman hour, 
is today's 3 p.m. And Peter was praying at noontime. That is the sixth hour. So they were all praying on scheduled times. And this means they lived a kind of a prayer life. And we all have to learn of these. We should keep praying on time that we could be used by the Lord either to pave the way or to open the door. Ed, no doubt it's very worthwhile to take note that preceding this monumental event that took place in the house of Cornelius, both Peter and Cornelius had taken specific opportunity to pray. I love this point, Ed. I don't think it's an idle coincidence. I think rather we're seeing something very crucial to the Lord and his desire to move according to his eternal purpose, aren't we? Yes, Chris, and I was touched very deeply with this point. What we see in this portion of the word is that Peter went up to the housetop to pray. While he was praying, Cornelius was also praying. And we can see by these two people's prayer life, this gave the Lord a way to move on this earth for his spreading of his kingdom and for him to build the church. Now, what we also see from this, and if we look at the entire Bible, that the Lord can only use those who live in a prayer life. So I feel like all of us believers, we should pray, Lord, make me a person of prayer. Make me a man of prayer. Even, Lord, I like to have a prayer life. Even more specifically, Lord, I want to be a person who prays at scheduled times. If you look at Daniel 6, verse 10, it says that Daniel knelt on his knees to pray three times a day. This was his habit. And Daniel took care of his prayer life at the cost of his physical life. If you look in Daniel 6, he was threatened. Anyone who would pray or make petition to anyone except the king was to be put to death. Well, Daniel disregarded this unholy declaration, and he kept his prayer life at the cost of his physical life. What a pattern for us. We need to have a prayer life like this also. And Daniel was a person who didn't pray just for his own benefit. He prayed for the Lord's interests and for the Lord's sake and for the Lord's benefit so that the Lord could bring in his kingdom on this earth. I just pray that this word that's going out, just as we're speaking here, would touch all of us, would touch me and you and all the seeking believers out there to have a prayer life so God can have a way to move to build up his body and bring in his kingdom. Ed, I don't think we normally think of ourselves having that kind of role in what God desires to do on the earth. Our prayer life really affects how quickly and how thoroughly God is able to move on the earth. Yes, that's right, Chris. And one other thing I'd like to mention, just as you were sharing, the book of Acts is really a book of God acting through his believers. And the book of Acts is also a book of prayer. Every time the Lord moved through the apostles and the disciples in the book of Acts, it was because of their prayer. Prayer and God's move go hand in hand. Well, Ed, we're going to go now from the prayer life of Peter and Cornelius to see something of a vision that Peter received. And, of course, this is an item that interests many people. Let's join Witness Lee. For the case of that Isaupian eunuch, the angel was used. 
Now here, in the case of Cardinus, angel was used again. To use angels was always a kind of occasion that the case is not a common case. It is something extraordinary. To preach the gospel to that is open was to bring the gospel to a single gentle person. Now, to preach the gospel to the house of Cornelius was to preach the gospel to a gentle family with their relatives and intimate friends. It is very strange that both records showed that the angels were not commissioned to preach the gospel. Only the human believers of Jesus have the privilege to bring the good news to the human society. Another thing is that God's economy needs a transfer. In the Old Testament, God's economy was in a dispensation of figures, types, and prophecies. There was no accomplishment of God's economy at all in Old Testament. Now, the triune God came in to accomplish all the things required by God's glory, holiness, and righteousness to carry out God's economy, that is, to dispense himself into his children people that he may have a thorough mingling with humanity to build up an eternal habitation for him and for his children people that he may have a full expression in eternity. This is God's economy. The Lord Jesus came to initiate the transfer. That means to initiate the change. And Judaism was troubling to frustrate it. Even the chosen vessels like Peter, like John, like James, they were not so clear that there should have been an absolute thorough transfer. Peter was not clear. In chapter 10, Peter was very good, keeping his prayer time and so forth. But the Lord wanted him to go to the Gentiles, to get himself associated with the Gentiles. This became a problem to Peter. Why? A Jew cannot associate with a Gentile. That is just like to eat the unclean things. To eat something is to get something into you. This is a picture showing that the Jews shouldn't make the Gentiles one with the Jews. And the great vision that Peter received when he was in this trance-like state was so full of meaning and significance, even for us. Spend a little time today and develop this for us. It's one of the truly great revelations in all of Scripture. Yes, Chris, this vision is very significant. And just real briefly, you know, this whole portion of the word, Acts 10, 9 through 16, tells us how Peter went up to the housetop to pray. And while he was praying, a trance came upon him. And it says, he beheld heaven opened, 
and a certain vessel like a great sheet descending, being let down by four corners onto the earth, in which were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and birds of heaven." And, of course, the voice came to him from heaven and said, Rise up, Peter, slay and eat. And Peter didn't want to do that. He said, By no means, Lord, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And the voice came to him and said, The things that God has cleansed do not make common. That was the Lord's word to him. Well, what we see from this, Chris, is that this vessel like a great sheet symbolizes the gospel spreading to the four corners of the inhabited earth to collect all kinds of unclean and sinful people. All these four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and birds of heaven in this sheet signify people. And we know that if we look at verse 28, when Peter went to Cornelius' house, we can see that he understood what the dream meant. Because in verse 8, When he's talking to Cornelius, he said, You understand that it is unlawful for a man who is a Jew to join himself to come near one of another race. But listen to what he said. Yet God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So that shows that the animals in the sheet signified men. They signified all kinds of unclean, sinful people that the Lord wanted to catch from the Gentile world to save and to bring into his kingdom. And this is quite marvelous. What has God done with us? He's taken all of us unclean, sinful people, and he has cleansed us with his blood. He's washed us with his washing spirit. And now all of us are no longer unclean animals, but we have been washed and cleansed by the blood. We've been filled with the spirit, and now we are living members of the body of Christ and citizens in the kingdom of the heavens. This is the significance of Peter's dream that he had in Acts 10. How delighted Peter must have been when he really began to see the significance of the blood that was poured out. It's a marvelous picture. And and then something marvelous took place. The gospel went to the Gentile world. And that's why you and I are sitting here today on this broadcast enjoying the Lord Jesus together. Well, Ed, we're going to go back to Witness Lee for our final portion today, a point that may seem a little uh, well hidden, but I think something that'll be a treat. Let's join Witness Lee. If you have ever been with some conservative Jews, you know they are very strict. Three ordinances of Judaism made the Jews always distinct and separate from all the Gentiles. Number one, the Sabbath keeping. Number two, the circumcision. Number three, the particular diet. The Lord Jesus has abolished all these ordinances on the cross. But Peter still kept his ordinances. The Lord tested Peter. While he was praying, a vision came with a big seat full of what? Full of snakes, turtles, four-footed animals, probably a lot of dogs, pigs. Oh, yeah. That shocked Peter to death. Here, the Lord spoke from heaven to Peter. Kill and eat. Kill and eat dogs. Kill and eat pigs. Kill and eat turtles. Peter said, Lord, no, Lord. I never 
eaten anything common. No, unclean, no law. It's really hard for the Lord to have a transfer. Peter was still in the old thing. Then, to make the story short, the man from Cornelius' house came and knocked the door. While the men were knocking, the spirit spoke to Peter. It was the same with the case of its open. The angel told something and then the spirit told something. And here, firstly, the angel and then the spirit. When the people from Cornelius came, that made Peter clear. Peter understood that uh, the unclean animals signify the Gentiles, who were all the time considered by the Jews unclean. You read the context, you could see this. Because when she came to Cornelius, she recognized, she admitted that he was wrong. She realized God has made the Gentiles clean, that he should associate himself with the Gentiles. Peter kept the man from Cornelius for one night. The next morning, Peter went a short distance. When Peter arrived, Cornelius prepared everything. He invited all his relatives and uh, intimate friends. This is a good pattern for us to open a house inviting our relatives and our intimate friends for the gospel. Well, Ed, as I mentioned before, I want to ask you about something that may seem like a minor point in light of this landmark event in God's economy that we've been talking about. But I really believe that it's actually a major point as well. Peter's preaching and his using this second key took place in a home among family members and close friends of the righteous man Cornelius. It was clearly a home-centered ministry by Peter. We've gotten so far away from this center of spiritual activity that we see over and over in the book of Acts. Ed, do you think the Lord may be trying to refocus his people in this regard today in our time? He does want to refocus us. You know, in the Old Testament, you had to go to a physical place of worship to worship God. You had to go to the temple. But in the New Testament, the believers are the temple. We are the temple of the living God in the New Testament. And the Lord tells us in John 4, it's not a matter of worshiping in this physical place or in this physical place. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in their spirit and in truth, in reality. Well, what we see in the New Testament is that the believers mainly met in their homes, and they fellowshiped in their homes. They worshiped God in their homes. And one marvelous thing, uh, Chris, that happens is this. The home is an intimate place. In the intimacy of a home, you and I and some other brothers and sisters, we can enjoy Christ in mutuality, and we can enjoy Christ in mutual intimate fellowship. This is versus the stiff formality of entering into an imposing public edifice. 
You don't see this in the New Testament. You see them fellowship and enjoying the Lord in the intimacy of their homes. And in our homes, there's a family atmosphere, firstly. In our homes, by our fellowshipping with one another, this can be a testimony to our neighbors and to our friends. Just like Cornelius, he invited his friends to his house to hear the gospel. We can do the same thing with our neighbors, friends, and colleagues. Also, just consider our children. You know, I have four boys. When I invite the brothers and sisters into my house, my children are surrounded by a spiritual atmosphere, and they can be fostered to love the Lord and pursue the Lord as they grow up and enter into adulthood. So again, I say, meeting in the homes is the characteristic of the New Testament. It's in the homes that we can have the mutuality that we need, that we can consider one another, that we can incite one another to love and good works, and so much the more as we see the day of the Lord's coming drawing near. Of course, Ed, in saying this, this is not to say that uh, we shouldn't have some kind of place where there's a larger scale gathering. But I think all believers, all Christians have a realization that the book of Acts really should be some kind of pattern for us. The Lord was giving us uh, a detailed picture and pattern, a blueprint of his intention for the practice of his economy in the New Testament era. And we really don't see any sort of reference to the believers being occupied with building or acquiring, as you said, some kind of edifice, do we? No, we don't, Chris. And you brought up a good point. We still need big meetings, and we need meetings for ministry. But the church life takes place really in the homes of the believers where all the believers can function as living members of the body of Christ. It's not just in the big meetings where just a few function. We do need big meetings where certain gifted brothers maybe give a word of ministry for our perfecting. But for the church life where we actually practice the living of the church, this is where we need the fellowship in our homes where all of us can function and share Christ with one another to build up the body of Christ. Ed, this was very fresh today. I really uh, enjoyed the Lord in our fellowship, and I appreciated your being part of it. Thank you. Thank you also for joining us today for another life study from the book of Acts. I think that uh, we agree. We, we touched some matters here today that uh, have a lot of impact and a lot of relevance for all of us, and we hope that you enjoyed it as well. If you'd like to receive the entire printed life study that we covered today, just give us a call at our toll-free number, which is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 543-3788. Or send us a letter to Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send email to radio at lsm.org. For Ed Marks today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs consist of excerpts from Witness Lee's spoken ministry, along with our discussion and comments, and all focusing on God's heart's desire that we would enjoy Christ as the divine life for man. There are more than 1,700 programs like this one available online free of charge that you can download, stream live, or add to your podcast subscription. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. 
That's lsmradio.com. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.